0: seven. If you found your place, someone told me this week, they said, I hate it when preachers say if you're physically able, if you'll stand. He said, I don't like that. He said, the truth is, I don't ever feel physically able to stand. So I'm not even going to say that. I'm just going to say, stand. How about that? (laughs) Acts chapter number, and you know whether you can or not. Acts chapter number 27, we're going to read a few verses here. We're going to look at... Pretty much the vast majority of the chapter uh, this morning, Acts chapter number 27, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, we'll allow the children to be dismissed to junior church and to toddler church, Acts chapter chapter number 27. The Bible says, when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus's band. And entering into a ship of a Adramitium, Adramitium, how do you pronounce that? Somebody tell me. Adramitium? Does that sound good enough? Yes. Yeah. We launched, meaning to sail. By the way, I looked it up this morning. I've already forgot how they pronounced it. <laughs> I was reading through it this week and I'm like, I need to look that up before Sunday. And it didn't matter. I, I forgot it anyway. Adramidium, I think that's how you pronounce it. We launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. One Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day, we touched at Sidon. And Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to re- excuse me to refresh himself. Look at verse number fourteen. But not long after there, but not long after, and we'll get the whole context during the the message this morning. But not long after. There arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurycladon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clada, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship. And fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail and so were driven. And we, being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us. By the way, when it says no small, what does that mean? It means it was big. No small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and not to have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. <laughs> what? We're going we're to read all of this. and Man, they're, they're dealing with a great storm. Uh, Eurachlodon. I heard a preacher who was preaching one time, and he said, I used to pronounce that euro colliding, Like a husband and wife colliding, you know, euro colliding. Well, that's not how you pronounce it, but they're in a great storm, almost like a, a tornado, if you will. One, one wind coming this way, another wind coming the other way. and He said, Sirs, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sell with thee. And verse number 25 is where we're going to take our title this morning. Very simple. He says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, For I believe God. Do you believe Him this morning? We say we do. And we have a head knowledge of it. But when push comes to shove and when the storms come, do we really believe Him? When the storms come, do we still believe what God's Word says or do we run to something else? Do we run to a drug or do we run to... Uh, some other medium other than God's Word. Paul said, hey, first of all, you should have listened to me. He said, but I'm going to tell you what, an angel came and told me what God said. And the angel said that I was going to get to Caesar and I had to stand before Caesar. And not only that I was going to stand before Caesar, he said that everybody on this ship was going to be okay. He said, He's going to give them all to me, the Bible says. And He says, I believe God. And I want to speak to us for a few moments on that subject, I believe God. Now I can stand here right now and say that, but when the storms rage, will I believe God? When a physical storm comes or a financial storm or a spiritual storm comes, will I still say the same thing? God, I believe You. God, I believe what Your Word says. God, I'm not going to run to every other outlet or every other medium in which I can hopefully get some relief. God, I believe You. So let's look at that this morning. Father, we love You today. Help us to believe You. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Our faith is increased when we hear Your Word. And Father, may this morning our faith be increased. And Father, may we leave here today believing you maybe a little bit more than we believed you when we came in. Father, you are trustworthy. You never lie. You can't lie. That's not who you are. It's not your character. And Father, because of that, we can trust you. I believe God. May that be the utterance of every individual in this auditorium today when the storm comes. Not, not when we have fair skies. It's easy to believe when we have fair fair skies. But when the storms come, may we say, God, I believe you. God, God, I'm still going to trust you. May that be the case this morning. We commit these next few moments to you, Father. We ask that you bless and help as only you can. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to give you three truths that we find here in Acts chapter number 27. The interpretation of the passage is very clear. There's, There's no denying the interpretation of it. Paul's on a journey, he's on a ship, he, he's going to be taken to Rome, he's going to have to stand uh, before Caesar. By the way, he asked for that. He's going to go and stand before Caesar and so uh, he, he's headed that way. He's on a ship, he's on a journey. Okay, So the interpretation is very clear. But along that way, a physical storm arises. And the application for us is even as clear as the interpretation Through this journey of life, this Christian life, if you will, there are going to be storms that that come, right? There are going to be storms that come into our lives. By the way, they may be be self-inflicted, right? They may be self-inflicted. They may be sovereignly injected. God may bring them to purify us and purge us and during that storm we're going to say I don't understand this. We understand the self-inflicted storms because we brought them on. We know, you know what, if I hadn't done that, then this wouldn't have happened. Okay, we understand those. We understand when Satan brings his storms. We understand maybe in a maybe in a a marriage, maybe uh, there's some strife and maybe one person ha- hasn't been as faithful as they should be. Or maybe there's just, not even necessarily unfaithfulness, just uh, there's, there's strife and discord in the marriage. And so we understand those because, hey, Satan tempts and, and Satan's our adversary. And By the way, let me, let me tell you this morning, Satan tempts all the time. We have to be ready for that. We we have to be battle ready. We've mentioned it so many times. Look, you as a child of God, you are a high value target. And the mission is not successful unless He takes you out. That's the military definition of a high value target. The, The mission is only successful if that target is taken out. You're a high value target. That's why we have to be constantly and constantly and constantly and constantly prepared. Husbands, you have to be on guard all the time. Wives, you have to be on guard all the time. Children, pastors, Sunday school teachers, you have to be on guard all the time because Satan comes. And so we understand those. We understand when Satan, uh, he he comes and he he brings the storms. And when we have self-inflicted, we understand that. But many times when God brings the storm to purify and to purge, we don't always understand that, do we? We don't always understand what he's doing, and we don't always understand why, because we say, Hey, Lord, I'm serving you. I'm, I'm, I'm being faithful to you. Lord, why are you allowing this? He's allowing it to purge us. By the way, the message Wednesday night was wonderful. I hope you were here. Why we suffer? It's for God's glory, it's for his glory. When God brings suffering, or when God brings a storm of His own accord, and we do suffer and we do have tribulation, what is that all about? Brother Hunter said, "It's for His glory. It's to perfect us. It is to purge us. It is to purify us. It's for His glory." By the way, if you missed that message Wednesday night, go back and watch it. You can you can find it on. You can go through the website and find it on the website there. Go back and listen to that. Why we suffer. But sometimes we don't always understand that. But this morning, no matter the reason, the storms come. And so number one, we see the existence of the storms. The existence of the storms. Storms are going to come. They just are. They may be financial, they may be physical, they, they may be emotional, they may be spiritual, but they are going to come. By the way, we'll see as we read through this. They started having to throw everything off the ship, right? This ship is loaded with wheat. This ship is loaded with wheat that if they get it to the market and sell it, means a lot of money. The storm came and they had to throw everything off the ship. So sometimes financial storms come, sometimes physical storms come. doesn't matter the type of the storm, the variance of the storm. The existence of the storms is reality. Storms are going to come. We read down to verse number 3. Look at verse number 4. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy. Alexandria, speaking of Egypt, it was a a ship laden with wheat, laden with goods that were going to go to Egypt. And when we had sailed slowly, verse number 7, many days, and scarce were come over against Nidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under creed over against Salmon. And hardly passing it, came into a place which is called the Fair Havens. Nigh wherein too was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous... Because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. The fast most likely refers to the the Day of Atonement. It would have been, uh, as far as time frame, would have been September, October of of our time. This was a time for storms in the Mediterranean. And he said, Look, uh, in verse number nine, he says, Paul admonished them. Why? Because it was now dangerous to sail, they shouldn't be sailing. And Paul admonishes them with such. But in verse number 10, it tells us what he says. It said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with herd and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Now, by the way, that makes sense, doesn't it? You're going to believe the master of the ship. They know more than just this. Who's this guy? Paul. And so the Bible says they didn't listen to Paul, and because the haven, verse 12 was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenice, and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lies toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, and the wind blew softly, "Hey, it's okay. It's okay to sell now. Paul, you're crazy. They began to sell. It says that they had obtained their purpose loose and thence. They sailed close by Crete. We read verse 14, But not long after, but not long after there arose against it Verse number 13, if I can make the application. The interpretation is clear, but if I can make the application. Doesn't doesn't life, and may I say the enemy, many times lull us to sleep to think everything's okay? He said when the wind, that south wind blew softly. Yeah, it's okay. Let's go. Let's do it. But what came in verse number 14? Well, the winds came. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clotta, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, uh, ropes to uh, tie around the ship, helps support to sustain the ship, undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail and so were driven And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from creed and to have gained this harm and loss Then down in verse number 5, he said, I believe God, verse 26, how be it we must be cast upon a certain island. He said, look, we're all going to make it, but we're going to be cast upon an island. But when the 14th night, verse number 27, was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country And sounded and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the four ship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat. They cut off the lifeboats and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Look, fourteen days they're enduring the, the uh, Eurycladon, the storm. And so number one, we see the existence of the storms. Storms are going to come, the reality of the storms. They're going to come no matter who they come from, whether the Lord brings them, whether we we bring them ourselves, or whether Satan attacks us with them, they are going to come. Number one, the existence of the storms. Number two, the disturbance from the storms. Number one, the existence of the storms. Number two, the disturbance of the storms. By the way, isn't that what a storm is? A storm is a violent disturbance. Why do we have storm watches and storm warnings? Because the weather's really nice, the weather's good, the way it's sunny, everything's good, but a storm's coming, what's it going to do? It's going to disturb. It's a violent disturbance of the way things currently are. And so we, and, and I don't know, guys today, boy, they just, the weathermen today, it's just like, we're all going to die! When you, when you watch the weather... When a thunderstorm is coming, now I'm thankful they, they give us warning when tornadoes come, and we live in that area, you know, of tornadoes. But when we first moved over here, my my grant, or excuse me, my father in law, he was like, "Really, you're gonna take my daughter over there? That's where all the tornadoes are." You're going to take my grandkids over there? That's where all the tornadoes are. But, uh, and so I'm thankful we get warnings and everything, but my goodness, sometimes it's just like, flee for the hills, we're all going to die. But storms are a violent disturbance. And isn't that what happens in our lives when the storms come? It's a violent disturbance. Everything seems to be going along really well. And then all of a sudden, upheaval, disturbance. Think about when an individual gets the diagnosis of cancer. Doesn't that disturb the life a little bit? I mean, everything's just, boy, it just feels like it's rolling along. Everything's going great. By the way, that's why, that's why James tell us, tells us that Life is like a vapor, and we don't know what tomorrow holds. That's why we, we need to say, if the Lord will, we don't know what tomorrow holds. It's God's will, not ours. And the storms bring disturbance. We already mentioned it. It brings financial disturbance. They, they, they had to throw everything off the ship. It, it brings emotional disturbance brings physical disturbance, 14 days. Can you imagine that, 14 days on a ship? I've never, I I don't believe, I've been on a ferry. I don't think I've ever been on a ship. People talk about going on cruises. I have absolutely no desire whatsoever to go on a cruise. For many reasons, but just don't have a desire for it. I don't think I've ever been on a ship out in open waters, other than just on a ferry from one port to the other port. Fourteen days, they're on this ship. Me doing that right there makes Miss Kathy sick, right? (laughs) They're on it for fourteen days, the Bible says. The existence of the storms, the storms are going to come. The disturbance of the storms, the, excuse me, the storms, that they, they bring upheaval in our lives. They are many times, sometimes they are very violent in their disturbance. And everyone on this ship, they're going through these storms. The Apostle Paul. 276 souls total, the Bible tells us in Acts 27 on this ship. It's no small ship. 276. And Paul steps forward. He says, I believe God. The disturbances from the storm. Their physical disturbances, verses 14 through 19. Their financial disturbances, verses 17 through 19. Look at verse number 38. We verse number 37 gives us the total number of individuals on the ship. Verse number 38. The Bible says, when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. Emotional disturbance. Verse number 20. The Bible says, when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. You ever been there? Emotional disturbance in your life, you feel like there's no hope? Verse number 29, Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks. Verse 30, And the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship. Emotional. They were hopeless. They were literally at the rope's end. The sailors were ready to abandon the ship. The existence of the storm, storms come, the disturbance of the storms, there's an upheaval the storms bring. And sometimes, many times, it's very violent. So what do we do? What do we do when the storms come? Let me I'm asking you, what do you do? I'm not asking you to respond. I'm asking you to respond in your heart. What do you do? What does our world do when storms come? What do we do? We run to the bank, we get a loan. We run to the government and we ask for help. We run to some counselor that cares nothing about the Word of God to try to give direction. Where do we go? What do we do? And many times Christians who have lived their lives saying, I believe God, I believe God, I believe God, I believe God when the storms come, they stop believing God. And they start running to other avenues other than God. Now please don't misunderstand. If you have a physical storm, you need to run to the doctor, right? But you need to fall on your knees as well. So, so please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you ought not go to a doctor or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am asking is, when the storms come, some of you may be going through a storm right now that nobody in this auditorium knows. So what are you doing about it? To whom or to what are you running? These individuals, they're ready to jump ship. These individuals, they're throwing everything off the ship. And by the way, they needed to. They needed to lighten the ship. But where do we run? You know where Paul ran to? He ran to God. Bible says in verse number twenty-one, but after long abstinence, Bible says Paul kept his mouth shut for a while. He says, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, "Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from creed and have, excuse me and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer." For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. We're going to lose the ship, but there's not going to be any loss of life among you. 276 souls on this ship, none of them are going to die. And now I exhort you, or excuse me, verse 23, For there stood by me this night. How could he say that? How could Paul say that? Was it because... Paul had some premonition. It wasn't a premonition. It was an actual word from Almighty God. God Almighty came to him and told him. And listen, when we're going through the storms, God Almighty has already spoken to us. He has given us 66 books. He has given us His holy, precious word. And I need not run anywhere else but right here. He's given me the message. He's given me the confidence. He's given me the promise. And Paul says in verse number 23, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am. The angel of God. And I am God's, whose I am, and whom I serve. Listen, if He's trustworthy to save us, He's trustworthy to sustain us if He's trustworthy to forgive my sin and to cleanse my soul and to take me to heaven one day, if He's trustworthy for that, and many of you in here this morning have said and have testified that you have trusted Him for that. If I can trust Him for the salvation of my soul, if I can trust Him to keep me out of hell, if I can trust Him for that, I can trust Him for daily provision. I can trust Him to sustain me through the storm. I can trust Him to sail me through the storms. With Christ in my vessel, I will smile at the storms. It's a little kid's song my wife sings. She used to sing that with her first grade class all the time. I, I remember she when we first got married, she'd make visuals to sing that song with her class, With Christ in my vessel. I, was, I, didn't, I didn't know that song. And she's teaching it to her first grade class, With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storms. He'll sell us through. He'll sustain us. If He can save me, He can sustain me. If He can save me, He can help me. The word helps is used in the passage here. And the idea there is the ropes that they would use to tie off the ship and to keep the boards from coming apart. Listen, if God Almighty can save me, God Almighty can help me. He can sustain me. So the question again is where are we going to? To whom or what are we running when the storm comes? You know, when the, the tornado sirens come, where do people go? Some go to a storm shelter. Some go to a, an interior room in the house. They go somewhere that's hopefully a little safer than where they're at right now, right? When, 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 I, get, when I hear the, the tornado sirens, I'm not going to go stand outside under the tree. Well, some of you might. But I'm not. I'm going to go to the place that's going to be a place of shelter for me. Isn't that what God is? Isn't He the sanctuary? Isn't He the shelter? Isn't He our refuge? Isn't He our, our high tower? Number one, the existence. Number two, the disturbance. The existence of the storms, the disturbance from the storms. And I want to give you number three. The utterance in the midst of the storm. The existence of the storms, they're going to come. The disturbance from the storms. Violent upheaval of our lives many times. But number three, the utterance in the midst of the storms. What's the utterance? It's verse number 25. I believe God. I believe God. What do we believe? Well, first of all, I believe His promises. That's what Paul says in verses 21 through 25. An angel of God stood by me this night of whose I am and whom I serve, speaking of God, not the angel. And he told me exactly what's going to happen. Nobody's going to die. And what does he say? He said, I believe God. I believe God. Well, pastor, that's hard to utter when you're in the midst of the storm. I understand. But it's what's necessary. I believe God. I believe God is still who He has always said He would be. I still believe He's the God who saved my soul. I still believe He's the God that I can trust, whom I can trust. I still believe that He's the God who is more powerful than the storm. I still believe God. I believe God. I believe God. That's the utterance that should come forth from the mouth of a born-again child of God when the storms come. Not, oh, no, 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 no not God, what are you doing? God, I don't understand all this. Now, by the way, we may not understand. And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking God to give us wisdom and knowledge about what's going on. I I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. But instead of questioning God, the utterance ought to be, I still believe you. I may not understand, but God, I still believe Your promises. I still believe that You said You'll never leave us nor forsake us. And No matter how difficult the storm may be, Lord, I know You're going to walk with me. I know You're going to sustain me. The utterance. Paul said, I believe Your promises. Paul said, I believe your protection. Paul said, God, I believe your promise. Paul's in the middle of this storm just like everybody else. God, I believe your promise. And I believe your protection. Beginning in verse 29, we've already read it. Let's drop down. Verse number 34, he says, wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not in hair fall, excuse me, fall from the head of any of you. By the way, storm's still going on. He said, take some meat. It's been 14 days, you need to eat. There shall not inherit hair fall from the head of any of you. I love Thursday when we were at Ambassador's, a young man who came up on... On Mondays and Thursdays, they allow the the students to give testimony. And a young man came up Thursday and he said that his grandmother had just been diagnosed with some kind of cancer. I don't remember what he said, but he was was just such an encouragement. He said, you know, he said, we're praying for her to be healed. But he said, whether God heals her or or not, he said, she's going to be healed. He said, whether God heals her on this earth and she lives a little bit longer or whether He takes her home, he said, that's okay. He said, because she's going to be at home with the Lord if He takes her on home. Most people in our society today, even Christians, don't have that attitude. That's why the medical industry continues to boom in our nation because nobody wants to die. Now, Look, I'm standing here, I don't want to die today. But, but we hold on to life, and we hold on to life, and we hold on to life, and uh, we're, we're going to grasp at anything we can grasp at uh, to stay an extra day. Do you know Christ? Do you know Him intimately? Because when we leave here, we're going to be in His presence. I get it. We don't want to leave family on this earth. I understand that. But we're going to be with the One who saved us. Paul said, I believe your promises, and I believe your pr- protection. He says, not a hair, for there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. By the way, side note, just to kind of give you a little levity, I wish that was true for all of us men today, right? Anyway, <laughs> some of y'all get that when you get home this afternoon because you're sleeping right now, but Verse 35. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread. It's kind of warm in here, isn't it? He took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Oh, and let me say this. When we go through a storm, there's lots of people around us watching how we handle the storm. By the way, 275 souls watching Paul. How's the man of God going to handle the storm? He said, here, take eat. And not only eat, but we're going to pray for the food to the God whom I serve. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we were in all in the ship 203 score and 16 souls. And when they had... Eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land. But they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore and fallen into a place where two seas met. They ran the ship aground and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves." The soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped, what's the next word? All safe to land. They escaped all safe to land. The existence of the storms, they're going to come. The disturbance from the storms, our lives are going to be disturbed in some form or fashion. But the utterance in the midst of the storms makes all the difference. Paul said, I believe God. Now there's more to the story in chapter number 28 but he said I believe God I believe God I believe His promises and I believe His protection and by the way I believe His protection because I believe His promise I believe there's not a hair of any of us that are going to fall because I believe His promise what do you utter in the midst of the storms profanity anger Or do you say, God, I still believe you? Take your Bibles, and we're going to be finished here. Would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Psalms? You, you know the Psalm, Psalm 46. Psalm 46, and we'll be done here. I believe God. That's what Paul said. I believe God. That was the utterance. I believe God. To the chief musician from the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamoth. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Verse 3, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. That's what's happening in Acts 27. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder, he burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. I believe God. We were at school this week. We were at Ambassador this week. And Paige's freshman year, she had a roommate named Abby Birchwell. Abby Birchwell had lost her older brother just a couple of years before in in a hunting accident. Her older brother had passed away. In Paige's freshman year, Abby was her roommate, and during that year, her Abby's dad, 46 years old, was diagnosed with brain cancer. 46 years old. And so there were a few times that Abby would go home. She stayed the whole semester or the whole year. She, she would go home periodically, but that whole time, her dad he's a, pa- he's a pastor in Pennsylvania. He's, he's battling brain cancer. And toward the end of that year, that spring semester, uh, her dad passed away. So in the space of just a couple of three years, she lost her older brother. And she lost her father. And so it's her and her sister and her mom left. When all that happened, her mom moved down to the Lattimore area and is working at the school now. And there's her mom and there's Abby and there's her sister. Both of them students at the school and her mom working at the school, working at the college When the storms came in their lives, the two men in their lives, their dad and their older brother, are gone. You know what their mom said? God, I still believe you. I'm not running away from you. I'm not quitting. still believe you. You know what the two sisters said? God, we still believe you. We're still training and we're still preparing to serve you with our lives. Whatever you call us to do. God, we still believe you. The two men in our lives who we love dearly are gone, but God, we still believe you. The existence of the storms, they're going to come. The disturbance of the storms, it can be violent sometimes, but the utterance in the midst of the storms makes all the difference. Paul said, I believe God. And God, help us this morning. You may not be going through a storm right now, but maybe right now today you'd make the commitment and say, God, I don't feel like I'm going through a storm right now, but God, if the storm does come, I don't wish for it, I don't desire it, but if it does come, God, help me to have the courage, faith in your promises, help me to have the courage to be able to utter, I believe God. God, I still believe you. Father, thank you for the time you've given us today. Father, I know that was a very cursory reading of Acts 27. But Father, the truth in verse 25 ought to pierce every single one of our hearts. Paul said, I believe God. God, you've given us great and wondrous promises in your word. You've told us you'll never leave us. You've told us you'll sustain us. You've asked us just to be still and know who you are. And Father, may we do that this morning. Whether we're going through a storm right now or not, may we simply say this morning, God, I believe you. God, I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop believing you. If, you. if you were big enough to save me, you're big enough to sustain me. So God, I believe you this morning. Father, if there would be someone here this morning who's never believed you to begin with, they've never placed their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ for the salvation of their soul. Father, may today be that day when they say, I believe. I believe what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross of Calvary. I believe that that is sufficient to forgive all of my sins. I believe. Help us, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Joe's at the piano. If you need to come, come, believers. Do you need to make that commitment this morning and just say, I believe God. God, I believe You. I believe Your promises. I believe Your protection. And I believe Your protection because of Your promises. It's easy to say when the skies are fair. And I understand that. You see, we need to be committed now and make the decision now that before the storms come, I'm I'm already ready ready. I'm already committed. I already know who I'm going to believe when the storms do come. "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus," the song says. How I've proved Thee o'er and o'er. Do we prove Him? Do we prove Him trustworthy? Ms. Joe is going to play one more verse if you need to come. Do you know Christ as your Savior this morning? If you don't, you need to come. It's where the belief begins. The Bible says in Romans 10 that we believe in our hearts. It begins there. A the confession is made with our mouth. We're called believers because we're supposed to believe God. Amen. Thank you so much for your attendance, your attention today. Look forward to seeing you back tonight, 6 o'clock, 445 for choir practice tonight. 515 for hiding seat for all the kids. I hope to see you back tonight. Brother Rick Jurdak, would you dismiss us, please, sir?